It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Ho, ho, ho. Brought to you by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. Zach Blackerby, Michael Pappas, Painter Sharpless here with you on a Friday. What's up, gentlemen? It's Friday. I liked your intro voice. You were hitting him with that uh, Thank you. That imaging, that PA announcer guy thing. We're ready to go in a world. What if I told you? Is that all you got? That yeah, all you got, Michael? I, I don't have like a follow-up story for it. So. Is that a world? How do we feel about the 30 for 30 thing? The what if I told you? That really seems to have caught on. With. I'm, I'm cool with it. Great branding on ESPN's part. They did it. All right, so let's jump into uh, some Auburn basketball action. Escaped, uh, escaped what many would call an upset last night, forcing overtime against Furman, ultimately winning the thing by three. Furman looked really good and Auburn played some of its worst basketball of the season and still found a way to, to a way to pull it out. Yeah, a couple things stick out. Auburn very bad from the three-point line and not good from the charity stripe. Uh, one of those things, free throws, like there's not a ton of analysis you can do there. That one, you just have to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, threes, that's been something that we know is not as great of a strength for the team as last year, but uh, we can get into to that a little bit later I think the thing I was most pleased with or at least if you're uh, an observer an Auburn fan you got to be happy that Auburn finds a way to get that game to overtime and then Javon McCormick gives them a chance at what was a very pretty lay-in at the end of the game but it, it brims out and they go to the sideline and Samir Dowdy and Austin Wiley and a couple other players are grinning and having fun and you go and that was when I went ah yeah, this team feels good about where they're at, even though they've played a bad game. Yeah, yeah. And this is a game that Auburn would have lost three years ago. And then, of course, when you look back at the you know Jeff Lebo and Tony Barbie days, like uh, this is a game that they lose. And they've had several like that so far this year. But now, Bruce Pearl's built this program up from a culture standpoint where you can have off nights and still beat good teams. Well, also, I think a couple of years ago, at least under the Barbie era or whatever, certain maybe the beginning of the Pearl era, like Furman would have just been a better team than Auburn. Sure. And then you're also right. They found a way to win a game in which they probably, at least through stretches, were simply outplayed. Yeah. Never a doubt. There was I, I never had a doubt Auburn was going to win this game. Um, I don't know if that's just a me thing or if people will agree, but... Auburn was down, you know, 14 or 15 in the second half, and I was just kind of waiting around, like... Waiting eh, for the run? Yeah, like, they'll figure it out. Well, that's It'll what we saw, and Painter, you and I talked about this when we were doing After the Game, which that'll be a thing coming up at the start of next year. We're excited about that for basketball. And, you know, it's like every time in conference play, Auburn needs like a four-minute run, and a lot of the times that was enough. And you kind of saw that a little bit. It was kind of stretched out a little bit more than... Four minutes, more more so over a big chunk of the second half. But you're right that you're just like, all right, when's the run going to happen? And it happened. It happened in the second half. And I thought that Austin Wiley continued to play very well. Um, I, I think yeah, best stat line of the night. I think he definitely has. He's the guy who I think has improved the most from 
last season to this season. Yeah, he I agree. seems to fit into his role a lot better. Uh, he might not be, you know, a go-to scorer or anything like that, but he has been Auburn's most consistent player, I think, to this point in the season. Their most efficient player, a guy yes. they can really count on, someone giving them a bunch of leadership, and to start out overtime. That was the Austin Wiley show. Yeah, Austin Wiley, 29 minutes, 4 for 5 from the floor, 12 rebounds, 13 points. You take that stat line every every night that Auburn plays, if you're Bruce Pearl. The and sec- a big block. Sure, absolutely. Speaking of which, Auburn had six of those. Six steals, six blocks. Normally they have a few more steals than that, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- between the way that they out rebounded this Furman team, and they've done that to a lot of teams this year, forty-five to twenty-five, right? Yep. And you know, while they didn't get as many steals as I thought they might, Furman—that's one of their greatest strengths. Auburn made up for it some by blocking shots and dominating on the boards. The second best line of the night, I believe. You know, some people would say Isaac Okoro. You could definitely make that argument. Isaac Okoro, forty-three minutes, five for nine from the floor, zero oh for three from three. Nine rebounds, 18 points. Almost got that double-double. But I think Alan Flanagan was uh, was a big part of what Auburn needed. 12 minutes, 4 for 4 from the field, 2 rebounds, 8 points. I like that. I like that. And, you know, him, him getting 12 minutes in there, didn't record a foul, was really not a liability in any way. It was extremely, an extremely efficient asset there, especially when you look at your guard play. Samir Dowdy, 41 minutes, 5 of 12 from the floor, 0 for 7 from 3. I mean, Samir shot at 12 times, only scored 13 points. And he had a couple of big buckets late. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And then, you know, Javon McCormick, 39 minutes, 4 for 11 from the floor, shot at 11 times, and he only scored 9. I mean, that's just, that's not good enough. That's not good enough, and it's early, and these guys are getting better. And we've seen kind of clips of both of these guys, and, you know, small sample size when you look at a game or you look at a half where both these guys have looked good. But in March, you can't do that. And so they've got time to get better, and they've got time to you know develop over the over time when conference play gets going in a few weeks. But that's um, that's not good enough right now as far as the guards go. But we'll see we'll see how that develops moving forward. Are you surprised at how little the bench guys played? Yes, uh, they only looked. They only went nine deep, which is short for Bruce Pearl and. You know, those guys, the highest point getter was Macklemore with 15, and this goes back to what we were talking about a week ago, a week and a half ago. Macklemore had nine. He is the leading point getter off the bench, though. Minute getter. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did I say point getter? I meant minute getter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, With 15 minutes, and he – this goes back to what we were talking about a week ago or two weeks ago when the first time we talked about Austin Wiley and how well he was playing when he and Macklemore were getting about even minutes, Mm -hmm. and now – a week later, he's got almost double. And I think that is a good thing for Auburn, especially when Wiley's minutes at times have either been because of poor play or because he was in foul trouble, but he had one personal foul last night. Yeah. And I think that is a big thing if he starts to figure all that out. And on the flip side, he forced Furman's bigs. Furman had three guys foul out, which is wild to me. But they had to be physical with Austin Wiley, and, and he drew a lot of fouls because of that. And I think that's, I think that's really important. And you know, you look at the, the the free throws attempted, which in my opinion is the reason Auburn won this game, is because Auburn attempted twenty nine free throws, Furman attempted thirteen, and Auburn's been on the Furman side of this mm-hmm. uh, recently, even at times last year, where it's like Auburn's just not going to get to the free throw line. They are this year; they're not shooting super great from it, but. 
when you get there more than two times as many times as your opponent, you can shoot 65% from the free throw line, and you know you still get 10 more points than them from, from the charity stripe. So that's, um, that's a big point. That, that, that's a big asset. That's a big thing to have when it's a three-point game that ends in overtime. And if you come out, I, I mean, if Auburn's coming out of this game and they're like, really our big issue was that our shots didn't fall, that's something that we have seen Auburn teams, I don't want to say overcome, but like get out of. You know, like they, they're able to shoot themselves out of these slumps that they have. And this was also a game coming off 10 days of rest or whatever. They're about well, to do it again. They got right nine before days. finals week. Yeah. Which, yeah. as much as we'd like to say that, you know, these guys don't have to worry about finals, finals week was an incredibly stressful time for me. So I'm sure it is for them. Yeah, and Coach Pearls emphasized that. I think it's been a actually uh, there's been a reflection of that within Auburn's athletic department. But without putting too much stock into that, one thing I want to point out: Devin Cambridge um, had had the team high plus minus. He was at, at plus seven, um, and his stat line is not going to jump out at you. But he's a guy. You know, you mentioned Flanagan. I think you, I think you could argue that his stat line is bad, but. The team has been better at times, anyway, when he's been on the floor. Curious yeah. to see the development of how they want to use Cambridge. It's it's evident, you know, all the comparisons, because it's easy, have been Malik Dunbar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Devin Cambridge. I think he's going to yeah, be one of exciting. the most fun players I think, to have I, at Auburn. Definitely, yeah, the, that, there's an element of that that I think there's the, this Malik Dunbar feeling. But then, you know, if he's going to make the players around him better, even if it doesn't show up in the stat line all the time, you're going to live with that. So he was plus seven with nine minutes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Missed. Yeah. yeah, he missed. He was one for five from the field. Mm-hmm. O of two from three. Four rebounds. One assist. One steal. One block. Yeah. So I mean, not a, not a great stat line there, but yeah, like Painter said, it's important in those in those nine minutes. Auburn was seven points seven points better than than Furman. And hey. once again, in a three point game that ends in overtime, that's that's important. That's huge. Yeah. And then let's go back to Wiley because. Coach Pearl, after the game, commented, he said, our guys do a lousy job of getting the ball to Austin, which I thought was interesting. And they they went with Austin late, but they also let their guards eat a little bit late. And I thought I thought that they would be a little bit more direct going to Austin at the end of the game. But it, it worked out. Their guards, Javon and Samir, had some big buckets late. Yeah, I, I think Bruce wants this offense to go through Samir. So it doesn't surprise me a lot that that was the case, but... Austin Wiley's making folks kind of take notice of what he's what he's being able to do. Mm-hmm. If if he keeps this trend going, I mean Auburn's going to be tough to beat because they're just going to be able to beat up people. The offense certainly goes through Samir and Javon leads that in the way that he sets his teammates up. But Austin is having an impact. Like last night was a game in which they really didn't have much of an answer for him, and that's I think a big benefit when you're not shooting well from deep. And you've got a player who can push people around. You're going to out-rebound teams by 20. You're going to stick around in games that you don't shoot well in. And then also, when you just need a basket, if you really need to break up a run and you can force it down to Austin or or Anthony Mm -hmm. and say, get us two easy ones, break this up, he was able to do that. And, you know, he shot kind of well from the free throw line at a stretch when Auburn was really struggling. And it also allows those guards that – run the Bruce Pearl offense to get up and down the floor and not be afraid to take 
contested layups and stuff because they know if the ball rolls off the rim, they've got a guy there in Austin Wiley who is getting rebounds like a monster right now. And guys like Macklemore and Okoro and Purifoy and Cambridge who are going to crash the offensive boards just like they did, just like a lot of those guys did last season and, uh, and, and keep possessions alive. And that allowed Jared Harper and uh, Bryce Brown and those guys to, to kind of do the same thing and attack the basket with a little bit of reckless abandon and just toss shots up at the rim sometimes because, you know, in hopes that someone on your team is going to come down with it. Right now they are. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I want to talk a little bit about the SEC championship that is tomorrow. Obviously, Auburn is not in it. The winner of the Iron Bowl is not in it for the first time in a while. So Decade. Yeah, which is crazy. But, of course, uh, LSU and, and Georgia, it, it seems like the majority of Auburn fans are pulling for LSU. Do you think that is the right move? Do you think that benefits Auburn more if LSU solidifies themselves as a legit threat to the SEC championship? I understand why Auburn fans are rooting for LSU. It actually, if you're paying attention to the New Year New Year Six Bowls, it would be beneficial for Auburn if two teams got into the playoff because that would free up an extra spot. Right. There's still a way in which Auburn can get a New Year Six Bowl, but we'll have to see how things play out. Where Wisconsin lands, I would say I get it though in that. Georgia is your second biggest rivalry. And if you're from Georgia, you may care more about that as a fan than the Iron Bowl. It just mm-hmm. sort of depends on, you know, who you know and where you grew up. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you brought up the, the the exact points that I kind of wanted to discuss there is it you, you could definitely make the argument that it's better for Auburn if Georgia wins and both of those teams get into the playoff. Well, it's like two of your three losses came to four of the best teams in the country. And if you're Gus Malzahn or a fan base, putting the bowl stuff aside, like that's hard to beat. And yeah. Florida's still right there just outside the top four. Yeah, I think uh, as much as it disgusts me to say, I think I'm going to be pulling for Georgia this weekend. I think it, I, I think it's better. Obviously, bowl games don't really matter. I think it is better for the program to be able to say we were in a New Year's Six Bowl than – not be able to say that then you know whether it's the Outback Bowl or the Citrus Bowl or whatever and there's there's a path to which they but like this essentially I think this makes it a lot easier for Auburn if you all right, yeah. what's the other path all right LSU wins what do you think the path is then Wisconsin um, yeah you need you need Auburn to be ranked probably ahead of Wisconsin and there's I guess there's any number of things that could happen that's the most likely scenario though Auburn being ahead of that team if actually Auburn might not also need to be ranked above Penn State I don't, I, it, uh, I th- wait, okay, let's think for a second. Maybe it's above Wisconsin and the loser of Oklahoma Baylor. Which I think that would happen. I think whoever loses between Oklahoma or Baylor, especially if it's Baylor, I think the committee is going to push them really far down. A lot of people really are looking down. for reasons, I think, to knock Baylor because they won so many close games, and then they won big game that they had against Oklahoma. They choked away a monumental lead or a huge lead in the second half. Right, so and then I – 
the the committee is not high on Oklahoma, which I think is interesting to me. Uh, I think I would think if, if you would have told me going into this weekend that Oklahoma's not in the top four, I would have been really surprised. I would have been really surprised with that. And it seems like even if they win their conference, like it still may not be enough. And and even if Georgia loses, like I, I think the committee likes Utah more. They've, I mean, they said as much on Tuesday, right? That's mm-hmm. why Utah's number five, and you know everyone knows how good Oregon is. It would basically take you know a, a putrid game by Utah, like if they win this game in a. See, I don't even know because if they win in a shootout, I feel like you could just argue that it, the offense is obviously very good, and if they win like seven to three, you could argue that the defense is really good, and so either way they should be in. So I, I, I don't see how Oklahoma can make it unless both Utah and Georgia lose. I think it'd be very hard yeah. for the committee to justify jumping Utah if both Utah and OU win right. and Georgia loses. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Except unless they go with the brand. Yeah, so we'll know all of this Sunday, early Sunday afternoon. And so yeah, I am fascinated to know because I think there are people out there that are really concerned about Utah and LSU. And there's this idea of, man, what that'd be a fun matchup. And, you know, Utah, when they played Alabama, I guess, was it in the Sugar Bowl back in, it was the second season, I believe, for Nick Saban. They lost the SEC championship to Florida. And Utah took on Alabama and stuck it to them. And I think there's a concern that a lot of people have that LSU is going to just stick it to Utah if they end up meeting one versus four. And in our head, we it's sort of hard for some people to shake out the idea that Oklahoma, who's used to these kinds of games, won't be a better opponent, even if some people believe Utah maybe has the better resume. Yeah, like I think Oklahoma is a better team than Utah, but I think Utah makes, like, it, once again, is it the better team or is it the more deserving team? I think in both cases it's Utah. Really, you think you you, you think if they play, Utah wins? Yeah. Okay. Utah. All right. If they play ten no. times, how many times does Utah win? I mean, it may be six. It may be, uh, which is, I know, which is a weird hypothetical. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are. It, so Utah is in this weird situation. Obviously, they play in the Pac-12, so like a lot of people don't get to see them play because they play. They play at like midnight. Either at midnight or on the Pac-12 network that no one gets. And so so this season, like seven of the t- 11 guys that start on defense for Utah were first team all Pac-12. Uh, their defensive line is the second best in all of college football behind Auburn. Their quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, has the highest adjusted completion percentage in college football. And their running back is Zach Moss, Zach Blackerby. Yeah, great first name. Zach, do you not? Did we not sit down and watch a Zach Moss game together? I think we did. Yeah, because he was on your fantasy team, and we were playing each other in fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody won that. Who won that? <laughs> was they, it painter? They tweeted at us about it. I sent you an email about it. Who won? I believe it was. I don't want to say it. Hold on. Let me pull All right. up the email. All right. I got a tweet. Over. I just assume you were asking because you won. No, I got 10th. No, he got 10th. But I ended on a six-game winning streak. Didn't even look at it. But it's all about how you finish, brother. Let's not talk about hey, our shout fantasy out, league. Shout, yeah, out to, uh, shout out to Jake Wright, who got last and ended the season on an eight-game losing streak. Way to go, Jake Wright. <laughs> My man. Always doing it. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, 
And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, real quick, we're, uh, we're, we're about out of time. Darren Ravel tweeted out, get in ticket prices for Power 5 title games on StubHub, including fees. Pac-12, $32.88. ACC, $46.77. Big 10, $49.89. Big 12, $55.96. And then it jumps up to the SEC, $255.76. It's a pretty big jump. It's in Georgia's backyard, which makes sense. And then I guess LSU, just because they haven't been in a while. Yeah. I was trying to think, but OU and Baylor are like equidistant from Dallas. That's where that game is, right? My my thing is Baylor knows they're going to lose and Oklahoma's in it every year. Maybe. Is that is that it? Yeah, but they both have such big fan bases in Dallas. Like Waco's an hour from Dallas and OU's like three, I think. So, I don't know. Uh, Tumors TP won the league. So, Shut congratulations up. to Way Tumors to TP. You think he's going to use the Tumors TP to, uh, to roll something since he won? Maybe. All right. Sweet. Maybe. Painter, where can people find you and hear you, bud? 11 to 1. Catch the lunch break with Justin Ferguson and me. That can be heard on ESPN 1067, ESPNAU.com, and, of course, the ESPN 1067 app. Also, I'm at Paint Sharpless. Yes, you are. Thank you. Michael, did you find your debit card, by the way? Yes, Good. they didn't give it back to me at Wendy's yesterday. All right. I was right. Okay. Uh, they, uh, it's all on them, brother. You no, know, when I got there, the guy was like, you had the issue with something and whatever. She, and They're I was starting like, yeah. to recognize you. You're taking advantage, baby. <laughs> I like that. About. You're making friends. Let's not talk about how many times I've been to Wendy's in the last week and a half. Okay, sounds like a lot, but go ahead. Too many. Uh-huh. Um how can people find what? you and hear you? Sorry, I forgot. It's like, what was the question at, that yeah. I ask at the end of every show? Yeah. <laughs> at Couch Potato. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, Action Network app. Got some winners this weekend. I took the over in every game. All, all right. five. Sounds good. I'm Zach Blackerby on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. Email the show, LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. We'll be back on Monday. We will have so much to talk about. See you then. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. Ho, 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 ho. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.